entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. I haven't talked to Chris Jasper in a long time from the Isley Brothers. Yo, Chris. I know Chris is probably working on some new music, too. So you have to give him a call. We debuted Chris Jasper's last song here. Chris is one of the Isley Brothers. He's one of the, one of the Isley. In fact, he wrote so many of their hits. Oh, Derek Hunter's already calling me a jackass or something. What did I say? Eight hundred eight four eight WABC is the number. Um, uh, uh, former Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompano. <laughs> I mean, people are taking swings at Donald Trump. He tweeted out that, or he tweaked him. We're told we get tired of winning, but he says I'm tired of losing, and so are most Republicans. And Chris Christie decided to jump in the mix with that, too. Chris Christie said it, that he's tired of losing. Hey, Chris, look in the mirror. The, uh, no, I'm not going to make any weight. That wasn't intended as a weight joke because I need to lose. Too. I, I was speaking of the fact that he, uh, anyway, Chris Christie. Okay, good. Chris Christie, a bridge too far. Um, Derek, why are you calling me a jackass early this morning? What did I say? I just called your name. Oh, you tell everybody. Oh, I would call up and harass him and whether or not he's sleeping, he's partying. I got a five-year-old and a four-year-old. My partying involves stepping on Legos. The closest, <laughs> I, the closest I get to drugs is Tylenol when I step on Legos. That's it. That's like... <laughs> Oh, wow. Hey, so how are the kids doing, by the way, Derek? They're doing well. They got a little bit of sniffles right now, but uh, hopefully we're approaching the end of it because uh, Grandpa and a couple of aunts are coming out for Thanksgiving, so we got to get rid of the sniffles. Cool. Are you going to homeschool them, or are you going to send them to, like, one of those elite private schools that cost, like, $35,000, a year? Or are you going to send them to public school? Well, we don't have snurdly money, so the elite the snurdly. Yeah, huh? <laughs> the elite schools are out. We're homeschooling them so far. We have a neighbor lady who used to be a teacher at a at a, a small Catholic school who uh, we pay to come over and teach three days a week, and my wife does two days a week. That's awesome. Are you, so yeah. you see that continuing? Or at some point are you going to say, okay, they're old enough now, let's let them brave the public school waters? It probably won't be public schools, preferably won't be public schools. But at some point, I I, I don't mind. The, I like the concept of homeschooling, but uh, my wife is more in love with it than I am. I I like, especially the oldest, Quinn, is such a social butterfly when we take her to the park that I think she 
desperately wants to be around other kids at some point in the future. We make sure she is now. She's in the choir. She's doing all sorts of things. But uh, I think I liked going to public schools. I don't know that I want her to go to public schools, but uh, I want her to be around other kids at some point, probably in the next year or two. I mean, if public schools were really safe, I would say, you know, I remember, I mean, it was, I, for the first few years, actually liked school. And then, of course, oh, well. Uh, okay, so now we know that we have a Republican House, Derek Hunter. What do you expect? Uh, I expect what Ivan Drago, no, it was uh, Mr. T predicted in Rocky Three, pain. <laughs> I, uh, I don't. I think that we're actually going to see the economy do not great because it's still dealing with all the garbage that Joe Biden and the Democrats shoveled into it. But it will start to settle down. It will start to do much better because, as you know, the economy likes stability, even bad stability. The business community can make adaptations to it and thrive. That's what makes you know America unique is the entrepreneurial spirit that finds a way no matter what obstacles government puts in its way. And we have that in spades here. So I think that the, in spades, the I think is that some have kind of racial slur? Yes. Um, <laughs> as we are uh, looking forward, we have, you know, the prospect of bad things continuing, but no new bad things coming along. And that can be just you know, fine for business, be good for business. So I think that will, is what we can look forward to. I am very much looking forward to some investigations into the Biden administration. The media has dropped the ball. If you look back to the Obama years, the only journalism was done by Citizens United and uh, uh, Judicial Watch. They were the ones who discovered everything that the, the Obama administration was doing. That continues here. But now we have a House of Congress that seemingly will look into these things. The power of the subpoena Democrats have decided that ignoring a congressional subpoena is contempt-worthy and being in contempt of Congress is worthy of jail time. So it should get really interesting if the Biden administration refuses to comply with subpoenas and people in his orbit refuse to comply with subpoenas. We'll put that god-awful, terrible Merrick Garland to the test and whether or not he's as big a hypocrite as he seems. And I heard you earlier talking about leadership. And look, Republican leadership is awful. Republican leadership is always awful. If you could pull somebody out of your butt who could get a majority of Republican votes in the in the Senate, I'd absolutely support them over, probably anyway, uh, depending on who it is, over Mitch McConnell, who has all sorts of flaws and faults, except I will forever shovel his sidewalk because he kept Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. And not only that, if it weren't, and I think you may have heard me praise uh, the turtle for that, but I also <laughs> give him a lot of credit for being instrumental in making sure that we now have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the same argument with Merrick Garland. If it weren't for that, we wouldn't be where we are. And, and I agree with that. That's something that we should always thank uh, the turtle for. But I, I'd point out that all these people, Kevin McCarthy's awful. Kevin McCarthy, he is, he is. But who else can get 218 Republican votes? You know, is there, if there's somebody else, please bring them forward, because otherwise you're not going to have a Speaker of the House. You know, you, you know who I thought about the other day as someone that already has experience at the job 
And I've had my issues with him over the Mute. years. Mute. Mm-hmm. Look, I would love that, but you know how Washington, D.C. First of all, Newt's probably doing too well and having too much fun and, uh, in the private sector with his movie making and, and his Fox deal. But if you look at the House of Representatives, the thing about the House of Representatives is 435 people who think they should be in the Senate. And the Senate is 100 people who think they should be president. And the president is one person who thinks they should be God. They're not going to look outside of their body when they are used to looking inside the mirror to find the answer to everything. So I, I'd love that. It would make sense, especially in a divided caucus that can't get their act together, somebody who's been there before and been effective. But, you know, frankly, if you look back at Newt's tenure, he was really railroaded. He was screwed as speaker in 1998. Yeah, he was. After he had a, a couple he... of years, he just lost a couple of seats. They didn't do as well as they thought he would be in the midterms. And all these people who wrote his coattails in the contract with America into Congress stabbed him in the back and said, you got to go. I'm not sure he wants to repeat that. And a lot of those guys are now gone. A lot of his so-called lieutenants who turned their back on him. Now, I've yeah. had my issues with Mr. Gingrich over a few policy matters over the years. But, but, who was the most effective Speaker of the House the Republicans ever had? Well, it's Newt Gingrich, but in fairness, we haven't had all that many speakers of that. I mean, we went four years before Newt came along, but nobody. Yeah, but we had Denny Hastert. Nobody got as much done. Den- Denny Hastert was terrible, and John Boehner spent most of the time crying, and Eddie Munster spent most of his time undermining Donald Trump and trying to please uh, Barack Obama. But yeah, no, I, you're not going to get an argument from me. I'm just saying that. You know, some baseball teams, their home run leader hit 22 home runs. It's like, that's great for that team, but in the grand scheme of things, got to keep it in perspective. Yeah, so you you think that it would be impossible to recruit somebody out of the house? I don't think it would be impossible. I think Newt might be down for the challenge. I think it would be impossible to get the house to agree to it. Each member, like, the house is arrogant, the, the, the Senate is arrogant, and they look at anybody who's an outsider, even past members, as an outsider. They think they can handle it. Every generation believes that, you know, they leave the bathroom smelling like a meadow of flowers. So I don't think that they would, you could get 218 Republicans to agree. I'm glad that Hakeem Jeffries has stepped up to the plate for the Democrats. Um, uh, Princess Di thinks Clay Clyburn is going to. Uh, put his hat in the ring, I think that it's probably going to end up being Hakeem Jeffries. And I'm very glad for that. The guy is a total demagogue. He is. He makes some outlandish statements every now and again. He's a young guy, so he'll be around for a while. And he, I think, will help lead the Democrats into a new era of defeat. Unlike, mm-hmm. you don't think so. I don't know. I mean, we've just seen an election where the power of the media really flexed through. Hakeem Jeffries is a radical. But yeah, he is. Nancy Pelosi was a radical. Hakeem but Jeffries Nancy Pelosi radical also Nancy. Nancy Pelosi also knew how to use power. She wasn't she new she wasn't new to it. Hakeem no. Jeffries is gonna have to learn how to use power. And that well, can Nancy's often pre- around. 
Nancy's yeah. going to stick around. One of the things about Pelosi is she was willing, as evidenced by the Obamacare vote, she was willing to cede that power. She was willing to lose that power for the cause, for the agenda. She knew that in those 63 or whatever members who were voted out after the Obamacare vote knew they were staring into their political open grave, but she knew that every loss would be temporary because that's the nature of politics these days, but the victory would be permanent or near permanent, be almost impossible to repeal. That's not that tough of a lesson to impart to somebody else. All you've really got to do other than that is teach people not to be jackasses in anywhere where there's a microphone. And no, I think you got it covered. Oh, no, if you call it on a you, hot mic, blaming How do you teach people how to do that, though, Derek? You don't. I mean, and this is one of the things that I, human nature takes over. So you have Hakeem Jeffries, if he's going to be the new Democrat guy, or whoever it is. And Pelosi says, I'm sticking around so I can help mentor. First of all, the new person coming in doesn't want her to mentor. It's like, get the hell out of here. Your time's done. Go out to pasture. Go to, well, the, glue, you, go to the glue farm. You've missed. It'd be the plastic recycling factory. But uh, you <laughs> missed the point that leadership, the party that threatened or that talked about the threats to democracy and screams this is what democracy looks like, the new leadership and the old leadership working together have decided who the new leaders are going to be. So they, they have avoided the prospect of democracy rearing its ugly head. They've avoided a potential for a fight. Clyburn isn't going to challenge. Clyburn just wants some kind of leadership role for ego. He's older than dirt, just like Hoyer and, and Pelosi were. But I've got an idea for you, James, and okay. I think that especially up in New York where Wall Street is and everything. I just want to piece the action. I want to get my beak wet on this. Since Nancy Pelosi's leaving incredibly well, I mean, she'll probably re resign before the August recess next year. She's leaving way richer than she came in, and her husband made some really fortuitously timed stock trades. And Democrats and Republicans up there have this knack uncanny almost of buying and selling stocks at the right moment before say government involvement in their business is known publicly that they should create a mutual fund that just mirrors what members of congress do oh i, I love this but we just make a law that says you can you can all trade individual stocks you're going to look at their spouses their kids and themselves you can all trade all the individual stocks you want use all the insider information you want all you got to do is give us a three-hour heads up on every trade that you make, and we can decide, you know, the mutual fund managers can decide whether or not they want to go along with that or how much they want to hedge their bets against a particular stock. But let us get as rich as Democrats do. Harry Reid went to the Senate with modest means and left with tens of millions of dollars. Nancy Pelosi went rich and is now going to leave with about $300 million. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of return on the investment? You know, you are capable of brilliance every now and again. <laughs> I'm serious. I was. I want to. I want my beak wet. But this is a great mutual fund, the Congressional uh, Mutual Fund. Let's do it. Let's because no matter what rules they put in place to tie their own hands, you know they're going to find a way around. They're writing the rules. So let everybody else in on the gravy train. Is this a uh, is this you going to write this as a column? I'm thinking about it. Except Town Hall doesn't like parodies, even though it's not really a parody. Well, then submit it somewhere else. I mean, this is brilliant. I mean, no, Derek, seriously, this is absolutely brilliant. 
and it's not a parody. I think this is, I think this is actually, I mean, yes, it's a parody, but I think this makes a point in a way that no one else has made it. This is some, you know, pretty unique thinking. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll write it for tomorrow. I still haven't started writing for tomorrow yet. And I was thinking of a Pelosi angle, so maybe that'll be it. I I love this idea. This is absolutely brilliant, and it makes the point very very effectively. Amazing. Wow, that's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Are you feeling okay? Do you have COVID? No, I have. Our, no, I don't. I just. But you are capable of brilliance every now and again. And I didn't even bother you today with your anti-Trump stuff. So, oh, Lord. I got to yeah. tell you, did, did you watch the speech? Yes. Did you? I watched it, and I thought it was, first of all, Donald Trump has gotten a lot better at reading, at doing a teleprompter speech. When he was president, it, it like you were forcing a kid to recite a poem. But he actually, it was a, it was a well-written speech, and it was a well-delivered speech. And then he started going off the teleprompter, and it turned into a rally, and it went on way too long. It should have probably been about 20 minutes instead of an hour and seven minutes or whatever it was, because even Fox pulled off of it. What do you mean, even minutes. Fox? Well, even all, everybody that was covering it sort of pulled away from it after a certain point, once you get the gist of it. He's got to realize that the audience was on television, not in the room, the room was filled with people who love Donald Trump. You can play to them after the speech is done. You've got them in a room. You can play to you, the audience was supposed to be at home. And when you start losing the TV coverage, you, you you lost the point of the rally. I think or the event. It wasn't a rally. It was an announcement. And he treated it turned into a rally, and it shouldn't have. It should have been a little more disciplined on message. His message was good. His message was well delivered. It just went on too long. Don't you think it went on too long? <clears throat> I think it's time for me to go to a break. I knew it. I'm not going to criticize Trump. Why Trump should I? Well, you you gotta, you're you're going to you get an ulcer it. with holding in all your Trump hate. No, I don't have any Trump hate. Everybody knows mm-hmm. I love Donald Trump, and I love Ron DeSantis. I say it both in the same sentence, just so that there's no... Because I, I, I don't believe this whole Civil War thing. Is going to no. really, I don't know whether it's going to play out or not, but. One thing that I find interesting, though, is President Trump has to do something that I don't know that he can do. I don't know that anybody can do. How do you What's run that? for president? How do you run for president for 14 months before there's even a vote? How do you get anybody interested in something that's. He will. Every rally he does is going to be packed. I understand, but he's got to raise money and report every month now and dips in fundraising at a time when enthusiasm for him isn't what it was, is going to be shown or seen as a sign of weakness. It just seemed like he went way too early on this thing. Plus, I would have liked to have seen him wait until after Georgia and uh, point all of his cannons at uh, Warnock in Georgia. Um, I hope he sets up shop down there, and I would love to see that he is willing to campaign for his friend Herschel Walker with Ron DeSantis. That would be the biggest middle finger to the left wing, and they wouldn't know what to do with that. And on another brilliant point, we'll leave you, Derek Hunter. Thank you so much for joining us. Got to take a break Thank here. You. you just, Derek, you're on fire this morning. There you go. Light your cigarettes <laughs> off me. <laughs> James Golden, a case nearly. Coming back, WABC Talk Radio 77, 800 848 Back in a moment.